This was a vision. I'm telling you, these people are Satanists. As I sit here, they are Satanists. Look, the world is full of these kind of things. Black masses, mutilations, mutilations. The incubus, the succubus. I'm telling you, we got to go down to the religious supply store. We got to get ourselves a couple of gallons of holy water. My cousin Jerry's a priest. He can get us a deal. Do you want him to take your family, kidnap them, tear their livers out, and make some kind of satanic pate? Hey, once they get in here, it's over, pal. Trigger warning. This podcast may include explicit content that will take you out of your comfort zone and make you question reality. Listener's discretion is advised. Starfleet officials. Today, what I present to you is an interview I did with the great hosts over on the Operation Red Pill podcast. I will be diving into the deep, dark world of satanic ritual abuse and Star Trek. Jason and Christopher are definitely doing the good work over on the Operation Red Pill podcast, helping to spread the word and exposing the lies. So, we decided to team up for a completely explosive episode. We will blow the programming behind Star Trek wide open and bring the deception to light. Of course, go show some love to Operation Red Pill Podcast. The link to the show is in the show notes. I absolutely love what they're doing over there. And um, I know if you love my show, you will most likely enjoy theirs as well. We are dedicated to exposing the lies and bringing people to the truth. However you find that, I'm proud of you. (laughs) Just a reminder, March is fast approaching and the winner of the Cosmic Peach Hoodie giveaway will be announced. You have just a few more days to enter. So don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel and leave a comment, leave a five-star review on Apple or Spotify and follow the Cosmic Peach Instagram. And I will be announcing the winner on March 1st or March 2nd. I have an episode coming out on March 2nd, so it might be on that episode that I do the announcement, but I may announce it early on the Instagram if you are following. So Enough of that. This is an absolutely mind-blowing episode. I know you will enjoy it. And let's jump right in. Ladies, gentlemen, everyone from across the podverse, welcome back. To another segment of the film over your eyes where we help you see the subtle messaging embedded in many of today's most popular tv shows and films many of which are aimed at reprogramming your mind so that you think less like christ and more like satan we actually have a lot of cosmically creepy stuff to discuss today including mk ultra programming satanic ritual abuse and mind control protocols found inside star trek and other cult classics 
But before we get into that, you know how we do around here. I got to welcome my co-host, Christopher Dean. How's it going, bro? What's happening, baby? How we doing? We are doing excellent. Man, I am excited, bro. We got a special guest today that hails all the way from the mean streets of Oklahoma. She's the host of the Cosmic Peach podcast, where she constantly chips away at the satanic messaging found in mainstream media in order to help wake people up from what we like to say around here is the desert of the real. Bro, let's welcome Julia from the Cosmic Peach podcast. Hello. How are you? Man, they never clap for me like that. Sad. <laughs> I can't believe it. I'm almost hurt. No, it's okay. It's all right? Yeah. I figure we got to pay him a little more. Maybe I can get a clap or two. <laughs> Julia, how you doing? I'm doing great. Happy to be here. Welcome. Man. It's good to have you with us. Yeah, I was really excited to be joining Operation Red Pill because recently I've been covering a bunch of the Nephilim uh, information on my podcast. And I know you guys had also covered something similar on your podcast. So we're we're like-minded on quite a few subjects um maybe differing in a few things here and there but i hope to blow your minds with this star trek information as well oh i am ready to have my mind blown especially if we are talking about movies <laughs> yeah. yeah have you watched star trek at all uh okay which one are we talking about the new ones the old ones that's a good question julia which ones are you talking about so I like to go back to the beginning and show the listeners how we got to the new ones and why they're so popular, why there's this whole Trekkie movement, kind of like Star Wars. Anytime you talk to somebody about Star Wars, they've watched all of them. They've watched the ones on Disney Plus, all the spinoffs, and they're pretty much obsessed with it. And I find that with Star Wars and with Star Trek, it's almost like a cult. It so, is. I have actually yeah. seen at least the, the the last three. And growing up, my dad was really into Star Trek. I didn't really like it. I didn't really mm. understand it. There was a black dude with a wrinkled forehead that I didn't get. <laughs> they, they had a weird name for him. Like, I had never heard this racial term before. I was running around calling people, yo, my Klingon, what's up, baby? <laughs> it did not mean what I thought it had meant. That's funny. Yeah, I had to learn the hard way. But I, I remember he watched a lot of that. I didn't really get into it. You know, the the older ones. And then I, I watched the the recent ones that came out. And at first I was like, okay, it's a little bit better than what I remember as a kid. But I went back a second time and watched the entire series over again. And I was like, these actually are pretty dope. Like, I'm just about ready for a fourth one now. I love the new ones. And I, you know, obviously you have to sometimes watch movies, especially in the conspiracy theory community, to decode them. And see what's going on with them and the messages and the symbolism within them. So, yeah, I watch them and I do enjoy a lot of things that are satanic or occult. But I look at it with a new set of eyes. So, whereas I used to just enjoy them as movies, now I kind of dive more into the purpose behind them. And why everyone collectively will say, yes, I I love Star Wars or yes, I love Star Trek or they want to dress like the characters or they want to be a part of that universe or even Harry Potter. A lot of that is kind of a cult following as well, mm -hmm. but you can enjoy things, but also realize that there's something more sinister going on with a lot of them. Yeah. I think that's so critical because 
most people aren't aware the to the degree that they are being bombarded. Mm-hmm. I don't think they realize the, the the sheer assault that they're under, even in the most benign places. Mm-hmm. Like Christopher, you were talking about that uh, before we started recording. I think you uh, went to a basketball game. Yeah. Recently. Yeah. So my wife actually treated me to an OSU basketball game yesterday. And I'm not a big sports guy, so it it was all kind of new to me. And part of me felt like a little kid. You know, you go in and there's the Jumbotron and and mm-hmm. and I had a good time. I really did enjoy it. it. It was a great date. But there was a lot of aspects to that that were kind of disturbing that had me wonder, like, who implemented this? Because I don't know if you're aware, but there's, you know, like each team has timeouts, but there was corporate timeouts. Like, and, and maybe this isn't new to anyone that's familiar, you know, with the sports industry or whatever, but I, w- I was completely uh, taken aback by it. And it felt like corporate takeover almost because here I am watching a live basketball game and they're like, this is the, the rooster's timeout. So everyone that's supposed to be playing basketball sits down in chairs, you know, right there and they play this commercial for roosters. I was like, yeah, I don't know if I like this too much. Yeah, it's the same people who came up with the bread and circuses. It hasn't changed much over. I mean, it may look a little bit more modern, but it's the same concept. And it's all over our society now. It's it's just like indoctrination times a thousand. And we just love it. Yeah, We're obsessed with it. And that's the screwed up part. Yeah, I think not only are we obsessed, we're also desensitized. And while mm-hmm. we're both obsessed and desensitized, I think the powers that be are exploiting that and, mm-hmm. you know, running it up, running the ante up to a degree yeah. that is unheard of even in, in the Roman times with just bread and circus. Like this is bread, circus and crack. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. 100%. And with any movie as big as Star Trek, you have to look at the layers behind What's going on? Why did they choose these certain actors? Why did they choose the rollout date that they did? Why do they choose certain terms and phrases in the shows and movies? What do those mean? And like I said, I always loved Star Trek because I was, and the reason that I named my podcast like Cosmic Peach Podcast was because I was obsessed with like the cosmos and like what's out there. But as I've kind of matured in my conspiracy theory journey, I've really recently leaned more towards space is fake, (laughs) flat earth, and there is no such thing as aliens. There is no such thing as like intergalactic federations. And this is what I need people to understand about this is even as far back as like 1960, they were programming us to become obsessed with aliens in outer space. And these are our gods and they're out there looking at everything we do. And one day they'll come back and you're like, Oh yay. I want to see what the aliens look like. And it's just super sinister. Yeah. That kind of reminds me of the young lady that was standing on top of the, uh, of the building and in independence day. When mm-hmm. the aliens were right over top, and she's like, "Oh, I hope they bring back Elvis." I mean, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so I think yep. she went to go see Elvis. 
Yeah. I'm close enough. For person. sure. And I remember watching, I'm like, who's up there at a time when the aliens are invading? Mm-hmm. You know, not me. Right. I'm not going to be up there at all. My uh-uh. Negro sensors are not going to allow me to, to, right. to be up yeah. there in no any thing. shape or form. So is this, yeah, no. is this ground zero where it parked? Yeah, I don't need to be nowhere near here. Mm-mm. But you're no, absolutely right. Like, yeah. So did you did you guys ever watch the movie um, 2012 with John yes. Cusack? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you remember the podcaster guy, Woody Harrelson? He mm-hmm. had like a trailer out in the woods and he had like a YouTube channel and he said, I've been telling people for years the world was going to end and I'm not guy i'll be that guy that's in the woods (laughs) in a trailer with my youtube channel and broadcasting live hello everyone i'm coming to you live in the end i'm going to be the guy that's in the limousine going towards the airplane (laughs) yeah hopefully christopher's flying it Mm. right but i plan to be on that plane and getting to the arcs yeah, I want to get to the Ark for sure. But if I know there's no way I can get to the Ark, I'm going to go down in a blaze of glory. And Woody Harrelson definitely did that. Yes. You know, but you mentioned 2012. It's interesting. Even that movie was chock full of of targeted propaganda. And design. biblical references. And yeah, it had that. But it was, it was also built a lot on the Mayan calendar and the significance of 2012 right. from, from that perspective, um, mm-hmm. which I don't think is accidental at all. Mm-mm. You know, I think that you're absolutely right. These types of things are put in place to condition the minds uh, of the masses. And most people are completely, that's uh, what I'm looking for. Oblivious. Completely, yeah, clueless and oblivious mm-hmm. to what's happening as they are partaking of this, you know, cinematic experience, but also a psychological product that's designed to to change the mindset of people and all play yeah, into a much larger agenda. Yeah, I would compare it to how people are obsessed with the Avatar movies by Mm -hmm. James Cameron. He's a big transhumanist and people will get obsessed with them to the point where they want to watch them over and over and over again. Or they don't even want to leave the movie theater because they want so bad to be a part of that world. Or if they offered something to us similar to that in real life, everyone would sign up for it. They'd be down 100 percent upload my consciousness into this empty biological vessel that sounds great to me i want immortality i want speed and agility and i want to be able to fly and i want to have so that's scary to me because that's not natural law that's not god's law that you're talking about something totally different which is the sci-fi thing science is our god now Mm-hmm. And we want to integrate our spirituality with science. And I think that's a part of the one world re- religion where they're going to take science as our God and integrate it with spirituality. And it'll just be global. And uh, I keep warning people about that. And they think that I'm, you know, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs or whatever. But you'll see. It's going to come back to like reanimating dead corpses and it's going to be, it's going to be real scary. Right. You sound crazy until you turn on Netflix Mm -hmm. and you watch something like Altered Carbon, Mm -hmm. a show that's built on uploading consciousness into, uh, into human bodies that they call sleeves. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Somebody had to write that script out. Somebody came up with that idea. I'm like, that sounds super, super sinister. You have something like Transcendence starring Johnny Depp. 
and that whole idea of his consciousness being uploaded. We've got artificial mm-hmm. intelligence that's coming online. We've been pre-programmed with that with, with shows like Terminator. Mm-hmm. Not to mention going into an augmented reality space with something like The Matrix or Ready Player One. You know, the oh. list goes on and on and on. It's it's a focused effort to condition people to accept a predetermined end. And well, it's Ready funny. Player One is really loaded with stuff. The bad part was, like, I enjoyed that movie. I did, too. I mean, it, it took place in my hometown. References. Right. I was, I was watching it. It took place in my hometown. I was like, can I see my house? Am I on film? <laughs> I, know. Yeah, I know. They may have got me. I might be owed some millions. That's funny. I know. I know. Because I grew up watching uh, all those 80s classics. Right. You know, so- when I watched Ready Player One, I was like, oh, wow, this is fantastic. But then when I got to the end, I was looking at my husband and we kind of looked at each other and we were like, "This, there's something more to this, though. Like with people living in trailers stacked on top of each other and just putting their VR headsets on and escaping to another reality where you're, you know, you're you're in pretty much a fantastic I can do whatever I want. I can dance. I can sing. I can drive the fast cars. I can have virtual money right. to buy virtual stuff. And I can, you might as well just. I could be with the girl who changes. Put a chip in your head at that point. Right. I could be with mm-hmm. the girl who changes her appearance at drop of a hat. Mm-hmm. Like, right. You, or you could change your own appearance. You could change your own, you know, physique. You could be whoever you want to be in this space. Right. And nobody questions it. When it the things that stuck out to me about ready player one because i cover a lot about stanley kubrick on my podcast is how they had a whole segment just on the shining and ready player one so i felt like that was kind of a call back to kubrick in my opinion yeah and they kind of went a little in depth with it it wasn't just like seeing the two girls because you could have you could have done that shot where you pan you see the two girls in the hallway everybody knows what that is and then we move on they mm-hmm. went deep with it, and I was like, mm, suddenly not that comfortable again. Right. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. it was tingling. <laughs> That's, funny. That's because we have a spidey sense about some of this stuff, but other people, they'll just watch it. Great movie. Move on with their life. And, you know, kind of touching back on Star Trek, if anyone has listened to my podcast and any detail i always go back to how weird things happen on an eight so an eight day a year with a bunch of eights in the month of august because there's just been too many things that it's a coincidence that they keep using the eight which represents scorpio like the dying and rebirth they love their astrology and symbolism and I do find it significant that Star Trek, the first episode released on September 8th. And that eight, is that equivalent like with the Ouroboros and the, the, the snake eating its tail? And I, I think so, that? too, Okay, because it's like an infinity symbol. Right. And it could be representative of like countless things, especially, you know, you go and you look at one of the SRA victims that I've talked about a lot, which is John Benet Ramsey. And there was just like five or six eights that kept popping up around John Benet Ramsey. And um, I'm pretty sure Katrina happened in August. There's like major disasters going on around eights. There's 
deaths and plane crashes going on around eights. It's just super weird. So the second I Googled Star Trek and it said September 8th, bells went off in my head immediately. Am I looking too far into it? Maybe. Or maybe the eight is symbolic of something, you know? Mm-hmm. I get that. Julie, can I ask you a question? Uh, just for listeners who are not familiar, we, we used the term already a couple times, SRA. But could mm-hmm. you explain what that is? Yeah. Um, so SRA, Satanic Ritual Abuse, or Illuminati Rituals, for lack of a better term, is pretty much they're based upon the most ancient mystery religions, like the Rothschilds and the ancient Canaanite mysteries and some of the uh, Babylonian rituals. These rituals are from ancient Egypt as well, and they are heavily used by these government programs to essentially abuse a child. And I don't want to be like too graphic, but they abuse a child using these rituals over and over and over and over again. Till they create a split off or a fragmented personality in that child. So a programmed multiple, a child who has up to 20 different personalities in one body, similar to Sybil or the movie Split. Um, I don't know if you guys have watched those movies like Glass and Split and you're essentially creating alter personalities within a child. Okay. And the reason they do that is because if they can program one of those personalities to go out and do something and then come back and not even remember what they did, they can pass lie detector tests. Like I'm sure if you talk to anyone who's worked with a split personality um, sufferer, they, they will tell you they have different handwriting They have different life stories. They eat different foods. I mean, you're literally creating another personality within the same person. Maybe they're just splitting off that original personality so they can let a demon come in. Maybe they're splitting off that personality so they can just have an empty vessel to put any type of entity in. But in my opinion, these would be like the sleepers, the ones that go out and they don't even realize what they're doing, but they are working for these government programs to either, I don't know, I guess it it would be like the Jeffrey Dahmers of the world could even be like these sleeper type programs where they have alter personalities. And Jeffrey Dahmer did say that he had alters. And um, it's just weird to me how you could be one person in front of your family and friends and then still be Jack the Ripper. And then you find out about SRA and it makes sense. Okay, these are altered personalities for real that can be used as Manchurian candidates. And we see Manchurian candidates all the time. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Mm-hmm. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I like that definition. Um, uh, one of the things that that, that we, we try to say on here uh, when we're dealing with the film of your eyes, we constantly talk about the three stories or three types of stories that are normally being told in, in a project, which is the first one being the main story that you see on film, you know, pretty much what people are going, paying their, their money to go see. And then the second story that's being told is normally an ideological one. 
where you get a lot of these themes and ideas that are being seeded into the film and going into a person's mind. And then lastly, we say there's a third layer all the way in the back, which is, is a, a spiritual one. And I think mm-hmm. it was so keen of you to, to point out James Cameron, which we were talking a moment ago with Avatar. I don't hear most people actually reference directors of projects and realize that the worldview of the directors oftentimes the, not just the filter, but it's the, the world that, that the project is actually shown from. And it normally is superimposed on, on the topic and filtered throughout the entire project. And so if somebody if you like, look at any of James Cameron's work, it's usually always centered around water, like the Titanic. And I think that's also symbolic of something because we learn about Atlantis or sunken cities where we're finding ruins and, and pyramid crystal pyramids and all this. And, you know, why is James Cameron so obsessed with going underwater? He wanted to make Titanic and he had all those submarines underwater looking for ruins and stuff. And Before it's he did just Titanic, he did the abyss. Right. That's what I'm saying. And then it, you look at abyss and it's aliens living underwater. And he is telling us a story without just coming out and being like, Hey, by the way, this, this is a documentary. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? So it's it's always kind of hiding somewhere in the background for people who are of the understanding. And when you get into the mind of directors similar to Kubrick, you start seeing all kinds of symbolism, eyes wide shut parties and what does this mean? And it's just like one of the most telltale signs to me when I see some of the messages that they slip in there in some of their movies, especially like with Star Trek. And, you know, I talked about how it's used to like create programmed multiples, but it's not the only type of movie or show that's done this because you see the same um, symbology in Alice in Wonderland, Wizard of Oz, Peter Pan, all the Disney movies like Snow White. And then you have the alien movies with Sigourney Weaver and Star Wars and Star Trek. It's either getting you to become obsessed with space or aliens or the fantastical world of Alice in Wonderland and Wizard of Oz is like interdimensional. You're falling down rabbit holes and going through portals. And there's just something odd to me about it. And then you kind of start wondering, well, what what would they be trying to show us in these movies other than just SRA aspects? And that's MK ultra. And these movies have bright lights that flash in your face constantly. They, if you had epilepsy, you probably shouldn't watch some of them. You know, they're, they're so flashing lights in your face and, um, you know, even with star Trek, some of the, what do they call them? Like inter- the Enterprise, like the the Starfleet Enterprise, the ships and everything. It's just advanced technology, stuff that you wish you could have, getting beamed up, all of this technology that they probably had back then that we don't even understand about today. Because they're always like 50, 60, 70 years ahead of us and they like roll it out slowly, which is why we're just 
just now seeing AI. They've probably had AI forever long. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Dr. Joseph Mengla of Auschwitz was the principal developer of the trauma-based Monarch Project and the CIA's MK Ultra mind control programs. So you have to think about what kind of stuff he was doing during the Holocaust. What was he looking for? He was looking for twins. He was looking for giants. He was looking for Aryan races, blonde hair, blue eyes. He was looking for people who had one eye a different color than the other eye. He was conducting all type of weird experiments on kids and injecting them with stuff and stabbing one twin to see if the other twin could feel it, doing blood transfusions. He was a sick freak. And you can imagine putting him in charge of something like MKUltra testing and development. Why, as a society today, we're so so screwed up. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, because there's there's hardly an aspect of society that's not touched by that. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Whether it be physical with medical type of experiments or mental with mind type of experiments. Because to me, when I look at the Holocaust, it was just a big cover for something more nefarious. You hear about like the Nazi bell and they were trying to open portals to communicate with weird entities Mm-hmm. They were working with the Vril Society. They were, you know, channeling. They were using psychics and mediums. And the Vril were the ones who said that they wanted this Aryan race that came from outer space to be the predominant race on the planet and that they were trying to welcome these entities in. And you start to wonder what the heck is going on. And even with Nephilim bloodlines, but we don't have to get into that. You see Alice in Wonderland, blonde hair, blue eyes, frozen, blonde hair, blue eyes. They're constantly showing us like weird symbolism. And Walt Disney, by the way, obsessed with NASA, big friend of Warner Von Braun, the Babylon bunch, all of that. And I mean, it's just crazy. Of course, they were all connected, you know? Mm-hmm. So we can expect to find this in their in their work then. Yeah, yeah. Right. And they don't want you to find the truth because even when you Google MK Ultra Star Trek, the first article that I found said the second season of Star Trek Strange New Worlds wrapped production earlier this year and is set to debut in 2023 on Paramount Plus. And now series star Anson Mount is giving a preview of what fans should expect. In promoting his new movie, MK Ultra. Hmm. Yeah, this uh. this movie MK Ultra <laughs> coming out has really messed up uh, the search engines. Because because you had sent me some stuff and you're like, all you have to do is Google this, and I'd Google it, and I'm like, this isn't this isn't at all what I'm looking for. It's a cover. Yeah, yeah. I haven't heard anything about this MK Ultra film. You haven't? No. All I know is that it's the only thing that comes up if you search. I've tried DuckDuckGo. I've tried Google. Any search engine, you try to find anything on MK Ultra, and it's just this movie that's coming out. Yes. And God only knows what they're trying to preserve with this movie. Yeah, it'll be real interesting. It's it's an odd choice, especially now yeah, that there's so much that. conversation well, about it. Say, 
he's in the new Star Trek. So it's like a call back home, you know? Yeah. yeah. The OG MKUltra spawning a new movie about MKUltra and Paramount Plus. If anyone knows anything about Paramount Plus, that's Mount Hermon. That's where the fallen angels descended down on. They love their black magic. They love for you to look at the lie before you watch the movie. They love you to understand subconsciously that you're being programmed before you're programmed. They're sick and twisted and sadistic. The second I saw that, oh, this new uh, Star Trek 2023 series has an actor in it who's also making a movie about MK Ultra, and then you can't find anything about MK Ultra in Star Trek because they're, all the articles go back to that movie. Is that a coincidence? Nope, not at all. <laughs> Some people right. might argue that it is. I mean, who are we to say? It's not like Google actually <laughs> controls the search results that you get. Right. When everyone's search results are catered to them specifically. Yeah, but there's there's not a hand in it. You're you're reaching. <laughs> this is thin. No. So you do think it's a coincidence? No, he's no. just playing the devil's advocate. No, oh, I was no, gonna no. say, I was gonna say, it could be, it could be, but I think that it's that's. I mean, in my opinion. People who watch Star Trek who aren't in the conspiracy theory community or digging further for truth are not even going to put those two things together. But it is to throw off people who know what's up. Yeah. Well, isn't one of the characters in the new Star Trek Albert Pike? Mm-hmm. Who? A new character in the in the new Paramount series. His name's yep. Albert Pike. In, really? Yeah, in the show. That's not an accident. <laughs> You know what else is not an accident? So Star Trek comes out 1966. Ten years later, the first Halloween movie comes out. And they could have chosen any mask for Michael Myers, the OG boogeyman. But they choose the William Shatner Captain Kirk Star Trek mask. Hold on. Star Trek came out in 1966, right? Yeah. Same year that the Satanic Church was founded? Is that what year it was founded? I think it was 66. It might be. If it was, then there we go again. Yeah. Huh. And they also want the face of the boogeyman to be a Star Trek mask. Like, to me, that just was so ridiculous. Out of all the masks you could have chosen from, from the Halloween store, you were like, Captain Kirk. And then you just threw that over. Like, Michael Myers legitimately murders indiscriminately. Right. In horrific ways. And it was always like, be careful because he's a mental patient who escaped from a mental asylum. And he'll just murder you and stab you up and do whatever. And the face that you'll see for the rest of time is William Shatner from Star Trek. That's nuts. I didn't even know that that was the mask. Yeah, me Tell neither. me that's not a huge, you know, connection back to the MK Ultra thing because Michael Myers in and of himself was a kid who murdered his sister. So he was screwed up in the head as a kid. They put him in like a mental institution for years and years and years. And then he escaped. And they always talked about how Michael Myers wasn't a person, that he was a devil. 
And huh. again, then they have the William Shatner Star Trek mask over his head. Yeah, that's so. Crazy. Tell, yeah, I bet he is the devil. <laughs> wow, man! And, I didn't um, know any of that. Well, I kind of had mentioned to you before when you were on your own search that Fritz Springmeier had published a couple of books mentioning Star Trek. Were you able to find anything that Fritz Springmeier had stated? Um, I, I couldn't. I No, I honestly struggled a lot, and it was really frustrating. I had found several podcasts. I listened to several hours of podcasts. I couldn't find any articles. Um, and there was a couple podcasts where he mentions, oh, and they use, you know, uh, Star Trek and The Wizard of Oz and the alien movies in Star Wars for SRA programming. And that's all he gave me. I was like, come right. on, Fritz. I want to know more about this. I know, I know, I know. So I I always dive deep in his work because I feel like when he's on a podcast, he'll just give you uh, Cliff's notes of what's really going on. And I want to know everything. Mm -hmm. So I scour his books and... He is just a person, so could he be wrong about some stuff? Sure, he could be wrong. Uh, could he be right about a lot of it? Yeah, he probably could be right about a lot of it. I like to be somewhere in the middle and just in look at the information and interpret it uh, based on other research I've done to try to, like, substantiate what he's saying. Right. Like, and, how does it fit into all this other stuff that I've been learning? Right, yeah. Because you could say, like, and the purpose of me doing my Wizard of Oz episode was to say hey, don't take my word for it, but look, I've done this research and this is what I found. And I kind of lay it out in a timeline, look at everything that I found that kind of goes back to substantiate my claim. So I take some of what Fritz is saying and I try to expand it with my own research to see if I can substantiate what he's saying. And you can for a lot of it, which is, you know, great for a researcher, but terrible for humanity. <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> and um, Fritz says, quote, I have observed programmed multiples, some that have been untreated and some that have been treated, who are totally obsessed with everything involved with Star Trek. A former deprogramming assistant gave me information on Star Trek programming, and I could sit and confirm it by my own observation of multiples. Over the years, a number of highly technical manuals on Star Trek equipment and themes have been published. When you look at these manuals, the best way of explaining all the money and time that was spent to develop these complex manuals is that they are serving a mind control purpose. Knowing how the programming is put in, I know why they were done in a certain way. And he even goes on to say the Boeing plant in Seattle has a lot of tunnels underneath it. And some of those tunnels are used for programming. And someone who worked at Boeing was telling Fritz how workers would, on a normal day, as it was standard for them, sneak off and go into the underground tunnels and watch Star Trek movies all day. Really? So... Interesting. That's that's another part of the sensationalism is they thought they were just getting to watch movies all day, but what they were really doing was being programmed all day. So okay. what ways have you found that Star Trek programs people? 
similar to um are where are you guys at before i get into it real deep are you flat earth are you round earth are you fake space are you where where are you guys at on that for me uh i'm still round earth i i find the flat earth idea interesting uh, but I haven't found, from what I've been exposed to, it hasn't made enough of a compelling argument for me to change uh, my perspective. When it comes to space, um, I am I'm probably in, in, in the middle with space. Like We're told space okay. is, a, is a really huge volume. Um, and there are other people that say it's not that big. You know, it's not as big as, as we were told, but things change once we got... Uh, once we adopted the Copernicus model and that what we're being told is not the way that it is. I try to hold Mm -hmm. a view me personally. I try to hold a view that I need it to make sense and I'm not going to be dogmatic about something I can't or have not actually seen myself. So I try Mm -hmm. to look at what seems to make the most rational sense. And I, I forget who said this, but they, they made the argument that the reason you need space to be as big as it is is not because of physics, but because you need to put distance between man and God. You need God. Well, to that's hundred like percent true. Yeah, and I mean, well, so where where are you at on it? Um, I'm I'm in a similar place. Uh. But I I don't really take a hard stance, either one. Like, I could easily... Well, I don't say I could easily be convinced. But I could be convinced either way and and not have it bother my worldview at all. Uh, I probably <laughs> lean towards a little bit of a traditional model just because at the moment it, it makes the most sense. And I, I've yet to be convinced the other way. Uh, but I also hold that view um, with the understanding that they are always lying to us, that <laughs> the... Um, uh, what's the, what's the name of the map projection that they give us? The Mercator. Uh, Mercator projection is not accurate. So I'm still trying to to look for more uh, significant evidence to to push me in one direction or another. And then it gets hard when you start hearing things out of NASA, like we we can't get past the the radiation belt. Right. The we forgot Island how to get to the belt. moon. Right. Like, we don't have on. that technology anymore. Right. Okay, but see, I can understand not having the technology. I can't understand getting rid of the blueprints. I can't understand well, getting rid of how you actually manufactured it, even if the companies that did it and the contractors that did it are not around. The it's amount of money. Yeah. The it's amount of money that up. was invested in that, there's no way you just oh, I lost it. We we can't build a Saturn V rocket again. <laughs> We, we we don't have, you know, the fuel. Okay, you might not have the company that manufactures the fuel, but you could manufacture that fuel if you wanted to. So Well, that goes me. back into the Babylon bunch because that's who was running NASA and Stanley Kubrick was a big friend of Warner Von Braun as well. And then you start looking at him faking the moon landing. And um, I'm the kind of person who will stand on the word of the Bible no matter what, if the biggest scientist with the most hugest IQ told me something and it didn't correspond with what's in the Bible, I will 100% reject it. So I had um, a guest on and he proves flat earth biblically. And it really shook me after he got done with his presentation and it made everything else make more sense as far as them trying to prove to us that science is our God. And, um, 
the kingdom of heaven is so far away from us because we're in this ever expanding universe that's just goes on for infinite space and time. And that puts so much distance in between you and God. And I know that they love to do that to us. So we question everything. It's like, is God even real? I mean, look how big the, and there's other planets and there could be potential life out there. And for me, I always go back to the Bible. It doesn't say anything about that. It says that hell is below our feet. Heaven is in the sky to try to have the comprehension of a child. Flat earth makes sense to kids. Heaven being in the sky and hell below our feet makes sense to kids. And I try to look at everything biblically and go from there. And I know that they use movies like Star Trek and Aliens and Star Wars. So we are ready if they ever decided to say these gods of old or men of renowned or aliens from outer space are invading us and we're going to work with them. And there's this intergalactic federation. We're going to have one world religion and they're going to be these immortal beings that will usher us into our own godliness and we'll be like them. And, you know, to me, I say, you know, sorry, but hell no, none of that for me. Thank you. And I try to, look at some of the messages that they put in like Star Trek and some of these movies and say, wow, they have been programming us since the, whenever they introduced the ball model, because our ancient civilization said that the earth was flat. Whenever they introduced the ball model, I would say that's when they started programming us to believe in space. And then they come out with all these movies, Star Wars, Star Trek, and everybody's like, I want to go to space. And it's just, you know, trying to get us, as you were saying earlier, desensitized to aliens. We've always known about aliens. We've always known that there's other planets that could potentially have life on them. And then Hitler was obsessed with that. Oh, these, the Vril, the Aryan race, they're from Mars and they're going to come here and they're going to take over the planet and they're going to usher us into our own godliness and we're going to be godlike and you know that that's demonic is what that is you know trying to be like god that is demonic that is not natural we're not supposed to be godlike we we are supposed to search for god and search for jesus and everything that we do But we're not supposed to be Jesus. We're not the Messiah. We're not the Savior. But they want us to think that we could get that way if we follow these extraterrestrials because they could give us, you know, for lack of a better term, superpowers like immortality. And that's where in the old times, like Babylon, there was bloodletting and human sacrifice and eating their own children and doing all this because they they literally believed if they performed these rituals that the gods would give them these powers. They were hungry for the blood of the innocent and that's what recharged them. And they, it's all sick and twisted. And you have to wonder why in the world the ancients would want to do something like that. I mean, look at the Aztecs. They would slaughter them roll their bodies down the the steps of the pyramid and then eat the corpses. That is sick and twisted. That's a demon right there. Mm-hmm. And I just think it always goes back to how willing are you to look at our past 
and look at the Bible and figure out why we have gotten to this place in society. And it's because if you knew how close God was, you would probably be on your best behavior. (laughs) But God is millions and trillions of light years away and he'll never know what you're doing. Right. (laughs) No, I'm I'm right there with you. I I think that that's the aim. It's all screwed up though. I think that um, one of the challenges is, you have all of this information and we're filtering it through a, a biblical view. Uh, mm-hmm. And like Christopher said, I mean, it probably wouldn't mess up my, my worldview or throw me off either way. What I take more exception to is that there seems to be an underhanded aim at evaluating the information we have from a very specific perspective. For instance, if I was to find out that there's life on other planets, that's not going to throw me. What I want to know is what type of life is that? If that's a complex, sentient life form, is it a moral life form? Is it a sinful life form? Is it one that is Jesus bacteria? died for? Because bacteria is a, is a form of life, you know, what they always say. <laughs> right, but if they come from a different perspective, that these are our space brothers, they were the ones who actually uh, seeded the earth, they're the ones that we owe our existence to, they're our savior. Okay, that's a different perspective. That's one where I, I have to pump the brakes and go, yo, this is completely outside of the biblical model and the biblical purview. You know, the idea of there yeah. being life in other places doesn't necessarily vi- violate scripture per se. Scripture is big enough mm-hmm. to uh, accommodate that. There, are, But the idea that we would have a savior coming from possible beings that are not present on this planet, that's where you take a hard left turn for me. And when that becomes the predominant idea that's being seated throughout society, then I'm raising up my hand going, what's happening here? You know, what what are we what are we really after? You know, when you have the Vatican sitting talking about the pope going through encyclicals, trying to set the laws that aliens could be baptized. I'm like, yo, we we went way past was there other life. And now we got these are our religious (laughs) brothers now, not just space brothers. We, are we doing communion together? What the fuck? What, what, what's happening here? I know. I know. See, that's, that's where, where see, it, that's it goes far from me. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree because the problem I had with Flat Earth for the longest time is that they weren't referencing anything biblical to back it up. And they were also coming in with their confirmation bias set and they found evidence to support it being flat. If you go in into any research with a confirmation bias set, you're going to find information that substantiates that claim. I, for instance, like to look at the evidence and then form an opinion based on the evidence. Like with anything, you can't go in saying the earth is flat. Let me find scientific evidence to prove that. Or you go into it saying the earth is round. Let me find scientific evidence to prove that. I kind of like to be in the middle where I go, Let's look at everything, not just 16 podcasts on flat earth because they're very, they'll pontificate forever long about how this and that and this. And then by the end of it, you're like, you know what, you you honestly sound kind of like a pompous ass. And I don't know if I, if I believe everything that you have to say, because you're just so dogmatic about it. But the, the person that I had on was like, I'm just going to read the Bible to you. And I'm going to show you how it could make sense that the earth is flat. And all the ancients did believe that the earth was flat and the firmament and the dome. And then I, as he was laying it out, I was like, 
wow, that's probably what that meant, you know, that or wow, that never made sense to me before. But looking at it like that, yeah. And so people interpret scripture in all different types of ways. I'm not going to say that just because someone presented it in this way that, oh, 100%, if you say the earth is round, then you're an idiot. But I like to be somewhere in the middle where I can hear evidence to support something and make a non-biased decision on that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm no, not going to, I wasn't going into it with either in right. my mind. I was like, we're just going to hear him out and see. Well, I think that's exactly what scripture sense. talks about. You know, when it, when it, when it mm-hmm. says that the, uh, man, I can't even think of where the people were from. Uh, but there was a group of people for what it escapes my mind where they were from, but they the Bereans. Received, thank you. The Bereans received a report with all openness of mind, but then went back to scripture to see if it was true. Most people closed their mind off based on their opinion. Um, and mm-hmm. I forget who it was who said that the the bar to truth is the presumption that you already have it. You know, mm-hmm. if you've already decided, well, I already know, then you're not listening to anything else in order to evaluate and really see what makes sense. And I think yeah. that's so important when it comes to following Christ, because a lot of the systems of of a life with him is based on what makes sense. Now, not everything he asks you to do makes sense up front. But he, he he gave us a intellect and a mind for a reason. And too often I see the enemy's a, approach and his tactics are to sidestep the prefrontal cortex, to sidestep our ability to think rationally, to sidestep the rules of logic, which help to filter out lies and deception in order to get us to think emotionally, to get us to fall into groupthink, to get us to fall into mind control elements. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. then we're going along with, with the masses and we're easily swept. Like there there are there are questions that I have since we're just talking about flat earth. I know it's not where we want to spend all our time today, but there are <laughs> right. things where I'm like, you're going to have to explain to me the Coriolis effect and why that works on the flat earth. You're going to have to explain to me um, seasons. You're going to have to explain to me some of this other stuff for that model to work. I, I probably am still still more on a globe, but I also recognize I was introduced to that in school and school is a controlled institution. So that doesn't you mm-hmm. know, get past me. However, what I find most interesting is if the earth is a globe, it is curious to me why the UN's logo is a flat earth model. That's yeah. And I would highly recommend you check out the episode I have coming out. I called it true earth. Just so I wouldn't be biased going in if it's flat or if it's round. It's just the true earth, whatever shape it is. That's what you can make your own decisions on it. And, you know, I would invite you to check that episode out. But I do think, you know, hollow earth, we got to get into that at some point. (laughs) Yeah. We haven't talked about the multidimensionality of our existence and quantum mechanics. I mean, we got a lot to talk about, Julia. We just can't. Yeah. Yeah. And it could be flat and hollow, but that's another, you know, topic. But I had someone challenge me recently, and you might find this interesting that when the Bible says that God said, let us create man in our image that all the gods of the pantheon were up there. They, it was like, we're going to make man in our image. And they said, you know, that would be like God and and Buddha and like all these other. And I said, for me as a Christian, I would look at that as let us, as in God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, create man in our image 
body, Christ, mind, God, spirit, Holy Spirit. And that's what we have to look at everything in life that happens to us through our mind, our body, and our spirit and see if that makes sense to us spiritually, um, emotionally, and even, you know, when you think about it, if God is the mind and Christ is the body and the Holy Spirit is the spirit, that's what gives you discernment. And when you get away from Christ, you lack discernment big time. And that's when the wolves come in because they're like, they're vulnerable. They got their guard down. They don't have their spiritual hedge up. And if people would just realize that a lot of the things going on with celebrities and music videos, and if you looked at it through the eyes of discernment, you'd say, whoa, like this is, this is ritualistic. This is demonic why isn't anybody talking about this but instead it's like oh my gosh i love lady gaga and she becomes an idol to you and then we have graven images and false idols and just like the calf worshiping and people want symbolism they want to have you know well she wore this outfit so i want to wear this and we we are worshiping these people we are worshiping them and that's sick and twisted Just like with these movies, like I'm in the Star Wars cult or I'm in the Harry Potter cult. And I loved Harry Potter. I read all the books or whatever. Looking back on it now, I probably shouldn't have done that. But it's just crazy to me how there's graven images everywhere and idolatry everywhere. And people are just in bliss over it. They're just like, I love my NBA stars or I love my NFL team or I, and I wear the symbolism on my hat and I have the jerseys and I'm marking my body with these logos and symbols. And I mean, come on, you guys, like that's crazy. Yeah. We have a tendency to, um, hold up. We ain't going to just go past the fact that she was talking about teams and logos. <laughs> I feel like I got to take my hat and turn it or something. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, Obviously, you can't lock yourself in the closet and just, you know, say prayers all day long. But at some point, a lot of the things we see going on in the world are are pretty screwed up, you know? No, I agree. Yeah, and I was saying that we have a uh, the capacity or we tend to uh, become more like our objects of worship. So whatever it is that we hold in high esteem, whatever thing that we're kind of looking to or or aspiring to, uh, we have a tendency to become more like that. And with all of this stuff coming out in the media, like what's the allegations against Madonna now for trafficking children? She's a witch. Yeah. So when we put these actors and athletes on this pedestal and, and, and hold them up, like you're saying, as an idol, then we inadvertently are going to become more like they are. And a lot of times that's not in a good way. And you're co-signing their behavior. Jay-Z calls himself Hova. Yeah. Like what? What? Why is that acceptable? That's blasphemous. Mm-hmm. Like, that's gross. Why would you want to call yourself like anything close to like I'm Jehovah? And okay, that, unless that's how you think about yourself, you know? <laughs> right, being godlike. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it, it was one of the things that that Satan wanted to do is lift his throne to that of of the height of God. So it mm-hmm. makes sense that we he see wanted to be like the most high. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it makes sense that we see that in his minions. Yeah. I always thought it was mm-hmm. curious that, that Madonna's um, parents named her that considering what Madonna means. What does Madonna mean? Well, Madonna's one of the names of Semiramis. 
Really? Yeah, it's one of the names of Ishtar of the Queen of Heaven, the Madonna. Interesting. That I did not know. So it's not lost on me that someone like that would be involved in some esoteric works that are nefarious. I mean, it's just for her namesake, right? Exactly. Not to mention. It would be like naming your kid Isis or something, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. But, you know, she's even, I talked about this with my cousins before, she's even starting to develop a serpentine-like appearance. Like, her face is just all cartoonish and bloated and, and so I thought it was just distorted. me, but I was looking at her, I was like, you don't look, you don't look yeah. normal. You, you like certainly you, don't look like what I remember you looking like. She have scoliosis? Mm-hmm. No, her face <laughs> just looks distorted. It, it looks distorted. Okay. It does. Like a snake. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Real. It was a joke. Mm-hmm. I laughed. No, you didn't. <laughs> no, it was funny, though. <laughs> no, I did. It was a silent one, though. A silent laugh? Yeah. I don't think those count. It does. <laughs> but I do want to just give a trigger warning really quick, because I wanted to explain a little bit more about SRA for those who are not uh, aware. And so if you're squeamish at all, you might just skip about five minutes ahead in the episode. But so... The parents of these kids that they use for the SRA or um, MKUltra programs, as well as other adults who care for these children, are given special instructions on how to raise the child to become dissociative. So they're told that the child needs to spend 15 minutes a day teaching the child how to write backwards giving daily doses of prolonged isolation, such as dark closets, dark corners of dark rooms. Um, They can even drown the child over and over again in uh, the bathtub or a pool and then resuscitate them. They stick needles and pens under their nails and various parts of their bodies are burnt with cigarettes and lighters. And at four years of age, the child should, in the programming, learn how to burn itself. And the child should be raped daily and then tortured. And this helps with the sexual programming later. And it begins to train the mind that pain is love and pain is pleasure. And then they're given certain commands. Uh, So for an example... From the Wizard of Oz, it might be, if you please, sir, or there's no place like home. In Star Trek, it might be, beam me up. In Cinderella, a code word could involve something said about the stroke of midnight. And these trigger words are used to invoke one of the personalities. So once that trigger word is said, the alternate personality comes forward. If you've ever seen the movie Exorcist, you might see how she's... Reagan, and then the psychiatrist asks to speak to the person or the entity within her, and then it comes forward, it has a different name, the face changes, everything changes. These trigger words are used to call forward one of these alters or personalities. They also use Barbies in that same way, whereas you might give a girl a Barbie with red hair and say, you're going to be Brittany tonight. Or take that Barbie, put it back, get the blonde-haired one out, and be like, you're going to be Ashley tonight. And the child associates a personality with a an item. So it goes deep. They use all kinds of weird stuff. And in my opinion, Star Trek 
was not only used for the flashing lights and the getting you to believe in aliens and space and, um, you know, the whole MK Ultra thing around that, but they're also using code words from Star Trek to program these kids who watch the shows over and over again or watch the movies over and over again. And they use those code words to provoke those alters to come forward. And also, in my opinion, is that we don't need God because space, science is our God. These aliens are our God. Heaven is non-existent pretty much much because we're in an infinite space rock floating through space and all this so it also kind of programs your mind to think no one can help me Hmm. i'm in an infinite timeline on a rock floating through space in the black dark hole and where is god god is not here because i'm getting raped daily and burnt with matches and and tortured and so it programs the child not only to believe that there's no God, but these are our sleepers. These are our Manchurian candidates. And they, even as common as you and I watching these movies, don't know it, but we're being programmed too. There was a report um, where the gentleman was talking about, I think his name was Dan Duvall. Are you from, have you heard of him, by the way? Mm-mm. Does a lot of um, firsthand experience and intelligence on dealing with people with extreme dissociative identity disorder, um, Mm -hmm. people with alters, people who have been involved in SRA, people have been involved in abductions, people involved in Illuminati bloodlines, people involved in, in secret space programs. I mean, a lot of stuff that would be on the far side of fringe, but on one of his talks, he went into some detail about some of the mechanisms involved in SRA. Uh, where he talked about some of the very things that, that you were talking about. He talked about how some of these parents are actually paid for their children and mm-hmm. how they are given, like you said, a very specific list of criterium on things to do in order to condition the mind. One of those things, which I thought was, comp- I mean, all of it was sick, but this one just kind of really turned my stomach was the idea that you, you have to molest and rape the, the child, your own yeah. child. And then you need to get them into a trafficking ring in which that molestation and rape is continued and increased in frequency and then trade them around. And they become a lot of this needs to happen before the age of seven, um, because I think. The mind, yeah, I, th- I think the mind is 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 malleable at that point, but uh, something changes after that. But one of the, the weird things that he talked about was how even in some of these abuse situations what they will have is a person dress up as Jesus Christ. Right. And then they will tell the kid, pray, pray to Jesus to come save you. And Mm -hmm. that person will actually, as as, as the person dressed up as Christ will laugh at the, the, the victimized child Mm -hmm. and will taunt them, but will never help, which breeds then this idea, like you were just talking about that. I'm on my own. God will never, will never help me. And if that person has fractured and begin to disassociate, which Dan was talking about is actually a God given capacity to handle extreme trauma, the ability for us to kind of go somewhere else. Yeah. But it's being exploited and it's being manipulated by these people that are doing this type of satanic ritual abuse. 
if that person has already begun to disassociate, they will have amnesia walls put up where they don't remember these types of experiences. But what will happen is they will be triggered by the idea of ask Jesus for help. So when they get into a church, when they get and talk to another Christian and they're talking to him about Jesus, immediately something happens and they don't even, they don't know they can't relate mm-hmm. to, but it stops them from actually being able to move forward or invokes an alter, uh, an alter personality to begin to, to come to the forefront and engage with that person. Like the, the level of stuff that happens is completely sick. But then he also talked about how if you fracture the soul and you, you splinter it, pieces of the soul leave. And those pieces quantumly connected to the soul can be bartered and traded on the spiritual black market. And Absolutely. Then, and then can be used either in other rituals in order to power up and get more spiritual energy to do other things, or can be used as armor, can be used in clothing um, for spiritual beings like the the stuff that happens is mind blowing and mm-hmm. gut wrenching when you really think about what's happening. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's not just it's not to minimize it, but it, it's not just okay. We, we've got child trafficking, or we've got human trafficking, we've got child sex trafficking. Like we put those labels on them. Sometimes it it mitigates the true nefarious nature of what's going on. And most people first don't want to know about that. But then secondly, they don't want to come to terms with the fact that that's normally an entry level tactic and necessity for something much greater. Right. Like what they did with Jeffrey Epstein, because they put that documentary out on Netflix and made it look like he was just into 16 year olds. And it's like, oh, I you see can what excuse you that. I mean, six, that's only two years. You can't. Really yeah, tell right. The yeah. That, but they never dig deeper to find out what was really going on. And with the temple and like all of that, that it wasn't just stupid 16 year olds, not saying that the 16 year olds were stupid, but it's just, <laughs> you know, to make it. Uh, well, who hasn't seen a documentary where a guy was sick and twisted and did some underage stuff or whatever? And it's always like, it's not as bad as the conspiracy theory are making it seem. Right. And, you know, something that I always say, I had um, when I posted the Nephilim episodes, I had like maybe 25 people reach out to me and tell me, like, keep up the good work. It was fantastic. It was awesome. You know, keep spreading the truth. And out of those 25 people, one person said, I liked them, but I didn't like how overtly Christian you were in those episodes. <laughs> and I, I'm not going to put this person on front street or anything, but I want them to ask themselves why they get excited when I talk about devils and demons, but they cringe when they hear the name of Christ. I want them to think about that. What excites Good, good question. Me? Mm-hmm. What is it that excites you and and feeds you when I talk about devils, but you cringe when you hear me talk about Christ? Think about that. No, that's on point because I'm the type of person I'd be like, so I need you to tell me the qualitative difference between overt and covert. Like how much? Cause that was it. Was it two tablespoons too much Christ for you? Like, do I need to cut it back <laughs> in half? Like, like where was your limit? It was I? Ah, oh, can't take that. He, he said Christ three times. 
I got a two and a half <laughs> limit, and that's it. He's too overtly Christian for my pagan ears. Like that that guy from yeah. Austin Powers. He's like, I hate being asked a question three times, so he always answers. Yeah. So it's like, you can't say Christ three times. Exactly. Two yeah. times is okay. Three, I turn the podcast so, on. Darn it. Now I'm done. You said Jesus with the hard J. You didn't say the Christ. It's like, no, I'm going to say the name, Jesus. You the better hard get J. Yeah. that. We yeah. might even hit you with a you, you, shoe it. Now what you going to Yeshua of Nazareth. Right. I like Yeshua that. HaMashiach. There you He's go. He's straight Hebrew now. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't like it's too overtly, too overtly Hebrew. <laughs> too so that's why Hebrew. I yeah. tell you, you know, there's there's a demon behind some of this stuff out there. You know? And if you if you are getting offended by hearing the name of Jesus Christ, but I could talk to you about um all, any other religion and it just goes in one ear and out the other it, all that's hunky dory but right. as soon as i bring up christ you're like oh i like that episode but can you leave jesus out of it no i, I can't right if you want to talk about sra and, and and you want to talk about child sex trafficking that's all right but as soon as you want to say that we live in a pagan nation that's welcome on record to all pagan gods and that the united states is the highest consumer of child pornography and probably the busy, biggest trafficker of children for sexual purposes and that we have an, as a culture and as a founded government an atavistic hatred towards Christ. And I don't want to hear that. Right. It's too much. They also, they also want to talk about devils and demons and fallen angels. And oh, the that's whole fun and sexy. Of, well, and the whole point of my series was to show you how, where the fallen angels came from and what they were doing and wreaking havoc and doing all this stuff. Where do you think that they came from? You want to talk about the fallen angels, but you don't want to talk about where they came from. And you don't want to talk about how Jesus came and gave us authority over these beings. And God said that we will cast judgment on the angels. You think he just said that as some type of poet? Whoa, we know where they came from. We have a documentary. We have a proven documentary established by Mr. Constantine, John, for the people who don't know, that tells us specifically, it's St. John from the Bible, and it tells us exactly where these people came from. It was from the- But they don't want to hear it if it has anything to do with Jesus. No, no. But if you put Paramount in the front of it, they'll love that. It's crazy the amount of cognitive dissonance there is. Yeah, Mm -hmm. willful ignorance. Mm -hmm. Willful. Yeah, I mean, there's a certain degree of compassion that I can have. I mean, I'm not trying to look down my nose at at people uh, that are coming out of the stupor. I mean, the Bible says that the enemy. I'm never here to condemn anyone. That's just the thing. I don't condemn you, so why do you condemn me? Right, right. You know, Scripture talks about how how Satan has blinded the minds of people. I was in the group. My mind was blinded. It's really just for the grace of God that he was able to shine light and be like, yo. Think about what's happening, man. You, you need to actually wake up to, to what's going on, which is why we try to shake people awake as well. So it's not to look down, but you get some people that say, I don't want to know. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. too much. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not that important. If this doesn't help me on, on the on the religious side, if this doesn't help me love God more, then this isn't important. Then on the non-religious side, you get people like, well, you can't know the you can't know anything at all. So I'm not sure if I want to make a, a firm decision or you get people that are going, I really don't want to hear anything about this. This is just too religious. It's too Christian, but they well, don't want to investigate. Yeah. Being Christian requires you to shine a big light on some of the stuff that you have going on in your personal life. 
And mm-hmm. looking in the mirror is one of the hardest things you could possibly ever do. That's why I put tint on my mirrors. <laughs> <laughs> I always say that things like that are an expensive idea. Like if you, adopt, if you adopt an idea that requires like a behavioral change or a shift in your life, it ends up becoming real expensive because it costs you something. So a lot of times it's not that it doesn't make sense or that there's not evidence, but a lot of these ideas, especially one that if Jesus died for you, you have to die for him. That's a real expensive idea and not everybody's ready to spend that. I just appreciate more of the intellectual honesty that says, I I don't want to do that. I don't like it. Yeah, that's true. As opposed to some of the stuff that, that you find common in society, you know, who who was it? Uh, I think it was Chuck Missler that was talking about the life cycle of a nation. And how you start out, I always have trouble with this. Oh, geez, let's see if I can do it. So you start out in bondage, and you go from bondage to faith, from faith to freedom, freedom to abundance, abundance to apathy, apathy to dependence, and dependence back into bondage. Right. And right now, it seems like we are are teetering right there between apathy and dependence. Mm -hmm. You know, you ask a person what's wrong, they go, I don't know, and I don't care. Mm-hmm. They don't want to do because it won't affect them. Like they still have to punch a clock the next day. They still, it, why, why does it matter if they're eating babies or they're doing any of this stuff? It doesn't affect my life. I still have to work tomorrow. I still have to go grocery shopping. I still have to do this, that, and this. like, it doesn't really impact me. And what I will say is whether you believe it or not, these elites believe it. And um, Jesus is coming back with the fire this time, not the water. And I want to be ready because it will come. In the flash, it will be as, what did they say, as quick as the lightning flashes from the east to the west. Do you want to be spiritually unprepared for that? No, I, I don't. <laughs> no All doubt. I hear is no Joe doubt. Dirt's mom. <laughs> is this what you want to be doing when Jesus comes back? <laughs> <laughs> right. I was raised in a Christian household and, and my family grew up in like the Appalachian mountains in Kentucky. So my grandma was not messing around. Right. At all. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I hear that, but I want to kind of um, turn it back around to the last little bit of my notes here. I think you guys will be like, Oh my gosh. So I think that they choose the certain actors to play certain parts in the shows and the movies because they're linked into other projects or programs or they're of the understanding and if we look at some of them uh of course we have um jonathan frakes who went on to host that beyond belief tv show so he was always into like sci-fi and weird stuff but we also have lavar burton who hosted reading rainbow more monarch symbolism butterflies oh. rainbows take a look it's in a book reading rainbow um it, it to me when i go back and listen to the theme song for reading rainbow it's just stewed in monarch symbolism and so of course he was in star trek so there's another tie back to that but even with the newer cast like chris pine zoe saldana which i i loved her love her but you know she's into shady shit uh excuse me screw you <laughs> um <laughs> Zachary Quinto, uh, the guy who plays Chekhov. And then, he died. believe it or not, what? He died, the Chekhov guy. The Anton Yelchin guy? Yeah, yeah in real what? life. He, he died, I think, between the second and third one. He got ran over by his, his Jeep. 
Oh, wow. Because he was in, well, I'll go into it in a second. But then Jeff Bezos actually plays a background character. He's just a random Starfleet official. Really? Interesting. And which yes. one? So when you Google it, it just says like the list of the cast and like who they play. Okay. And then I just saw Jeff Bezos played a background Starfleet official. And I was like, of course, he has to stick his head into everything, you know. And, and going but, back to LeVar Burton real quick. Did you know that there's actually an episode of The Next Generation where they um, they do uh, satanic abuse to him? I'm sure. And they they, ex- sure. they explain the whole thing. So really, yeah. For those that don't know, he plays what Jordy Lafour is the is the character's name, and he goes blind. But because it takes place in the future, they have the ability to give him like a visor so he can still see. So this visor is that why he had that? Yeah, it connects mm-hmm. to implants yeah. okay. in his in his temple that feed whatever information his visor is seeing directly into his brain. Mm-hmm. So these. Uh, these aliens that take him, this is some of the information. I couldn't find much information, but I did find this. So they take him, and because they want to create altars in Jordy Lafour, they um, bypass his eyes because they don't work, and they go directly into these implants that he has, and they play horrible things and make him think that terrible things are happening over and over to create personality altars so they can return him to the Star Trek Enterprise and he can do their bidding. So that that wow. everything that you explained shows up in a single episode of Star Trek. Tell me that's a coincidence. <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah. Nuts. I didn't and even know that he was in Star up. Trek. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. No, not until you said he had the, the little bar. Remember I told you, like, I didn't really watch it. Okay, like that's my, fair. my dad was was into it, so I never got into like the next generation, and all of that. And I even get confused between Picard and and who's the other captain, James Kirk. Wait, Kirk. Yeah, see what I mean? I'll mm-hmm. get confused <laughs> between X. I'm like, wasn't that dude X Man? Isn't that Professor X who's who's on the Star Trek? Like, it's a whole jumbled mess. But when you were talking about the dude with the visor, I was like, I remember him. I remember him and mm-hmm. Data. Okay. It was like yeah. the, two, the only two. He the probably remembers Spock. He does the. Live yeah, long yeah, I remember Spock. He had the little pointy ears or whatever, but yeah. I thought Spock was. I thought Spock was the doctor that talked about how you're supposed to raise your kids. No, Spock until is. I got um, older and realized it's two different people. Yeah, yeah. Bones is the doctor, but no, I mean the, the the psychologist. Spock. Oh. Yeah, and it's it's interesting too because Spock is supposed to be like all logical, no emotions whatsoever, and that's like a Manchurian candidate. Like they look at everything with no emotion; they have no spiritual. And so, yeah, that's another weird connection. But then they greet but, each other with the Vulcan handshake, mm-hmm. which is Masonic. Mm-hmm. Well, it isn't it interesting because in Star Trek, that um, once the people of Earth. Uh, were able to show that they possessed a certain amount of technology. Then the Vulcan showed up and said, oh, now that you have this technology, we can help and we can share some of the information that we have with us. And they're from planet Vulcan, which is a pagan god, right? Yeah, is a god of fire. Yeah. I don't think that's a coincidence. Right. I don't think most people put that together, though. Well, I didn't until literally just now. So mm-hmm. it's just it. if you go back and watch it, any of the listeners can do that with new, with the new vision in mind that this is all connected to other stuff. You'll find like a bunch of crazy connections because even Lady Gaga 
turns up in the extended Star Trek universe. And what what in the world does she have to do with anything? You know? Yeah, that's weird. What does she turn up as? Um, again, it just listed her as one of the background cast members. Hmm. But if you Google it, it'll, it'll probably tell you what exactly her role is. I'm sure it's something nefarious. And <laughs> let's see here. Oh, Zachary Quinto, who plays the new Spock, and Lady Gaga both appear in American Horror Story. Demons, pedophilia, bloodletting, torture, sacrifice. Anybody who watches American Horror Story knows exactly where I'm going with that. Mm-hmm. And Zachary Quinto was also in a movie called Snowden and a movie called Passage to Mars. And it was about some weird NASA Arctic expedition that leads to human um, experimenting and just weird stuff, of course, right? And the kid you were talking about that got ran over by the Jeep, mm-hmm. he was like a whole treasure trove because he was in one of the old, old school real life people Pinocchio movies okay. called Geppetto. Really? And we know what they're trying to do with Pinocchio and Pleasure Island and the bad boys and all this and wanting the 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 dad or whatever, the creator of Pinocchio, Geppetto, he wants a real boy. And mm. it's just all sick and twisted. And we got Tom Hanks in the new one. But the kid who who got ran over by the Jeep, the new Chekhov, he was in the OG real life enactment of, of Pinocchio. So I thought that was, he was probably an SRA victim straight up. And he was also in a movie called Hearts in Atlantis. He was in the Black Magic Smurf movies. He was in a vampire devil worship movie called Fright Night. And he was in Odd Thomas, which is also, in my opinion, very occult. Hmm. Have you watched Odd Thomas? I have. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. I really liked, we, I really liked him as an actor. because he I was, did too. It was... I didn't know he died, to be honest. Because he was very convincing. But but now the suggestion that he was a victim of satanic ritual abuse, if they created these particular altars for him to perform in movies, it would make sense why it's so convincing. Hmm. Mm-hmm. What's Odd Thomas about? Odd Thomas is... It's about a guy named Thomas. All right, that's odd. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he has the ability to see these... I can't remember the name of them. He give he assigns them a particular name, but he can see these evil entities. Okay. And uh, he's able to interact with them. And he sees dead people as well, right? Is that what it is? Yeah. He can see dead people and he can see these evil entities. So he tries to help the dead people, but if the evil entities find out that he can see them, then they uh, try to kill people with that gift because they don't want to be seen. Was this on Netflix? It's been everywhere. I watched it on Amazon Prime. Okay. Okay, because I, I saw some, uh, maybe, I, maybe it was on TikTok that I saw, uh, a cut from a film where there were these spirits walking around, kind of like a little mm-hmm. bit monster. I think they were kind of translucent. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the actresses like, don't look at them, because if you look at them and they know they see you, they'll kill you. But yep. they were like walking right past them. Yeah. Is this that movie? I think so, yeah. See, I it wanted could to watch be. it. 
And it, it's very occult in my opinion. Like if you watch it from start to finish with everything that we know, mm-hmm. I, I was like, oh, so yeah, they're showing you that this person's able to see these entities walking right past our faces every day and they're all sick and twisted and demented spirits, kind of like the Dementors in Harry Potter. Okay. But they're like, you can't see them unless you have the sight. Interesting. See, like I got, way, I'm sorry. I might have to go back and watch it because I got caught off guard. Because it's just called Odd Thomas, and I wasn't sure what I was getting into. Okay. And I had seen him in some other roles where he's just a normal kind of puny kid. But he got, goes like into Bright this. Night. Yeah, yeah. But he goes into this, and the I believe it's the opening scene. He gets in a fight, like at a house party. And then the guy's way bigger than him. Okay. And it's not the most amazing fight scene you've ever seen, but it takes you off guard, and he's able to put it down. So immediately... My guard goes down, and I become a fanboy, and I'm just sitting there watching the rest of this movie. So I might have to go back and, with eyes open and try to watch it. It's on TikTok. I it always just got do that, me. by the way. I watch it one time as a, a regular normie, and then I watch it one time as a symbologist. And then I, you know, because when you watch it the first time, you're kind of just like observing what's going on in the movie and like, oh, that's cool or whatever. And then the second time or the third time you watch it, you're like, okay. Now let me look with my conspiracy eyes and see what's going on, you know? Because um, even Zoe Saldana, she's in Guardians of the Galaxy, Marvel. You guys talk about Marvel. Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot. And she's in both Avatar movies. Oh, yeah. Tell me that's a coincidence. And she's in The Atom Project on Netflix. Do you guys remember The Atom Project with uh, Brian a good Reynolds? Film. <laughs> uh, I, as a movie, I enjoyed the movie. Who else was in that? Mark Ruffalo. Okay, because he played the dad, right? Yeah. Okay. I think that, we talked about it. Yeah, you were like, did you find any symbolism in that? And I was like, man, all the way through the whole thing. And you're like, yeah. where? <laughs> <laughs> that was because I got caught off. I, I started watching it from the kid part of me. Okay. And so I got, I got, I got drawn into yo wouldn't that be freaky cool to meet your future self and you're an action star <laughs> okay it's all screwed up but right. i was like that would be wanna, dope. if people want to check that movie out i think there's a lot of symbolism in there and she was also in a movie called i killed giants of course um you know one. giants are gonna destroy everything and she's like fighting them and She's in a movie called The Book of Life. Um, she's in a movie called Blackout about the end of times. She's in Terminal with Tom Hanks, Pirates of the Caribbean. And lastly, I found that she was in a movie called Crossroads with Britney Spears. Yeah. Now, if you go huh. back and watch that with some new eyes, you'll see what kind of crossroads they're talking about. Interesting. Especially with Britney. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And last but not least, and this is the last bit of my notes here, Chris Pine. He's in A Wrinkle in Time, which was about dimensional travel. And then Wonder Woman 1984, Rise of the Guardians. He's in a movie called Confession about weird stuff going on in the Catholic Church. He's Hmm. in a movie called Carriers that came out before COVID. And the synopsis of the movie is when a virus threatens to wipe out humanity... Danny and his brother, Chris Pine, and their friends set out across the desert in the Southwest trying to elude the deadly pandemic. 
So he's recently that's took not on the project. You anything there. He recently took on the project uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Oh. Yeah, Dragon. And he's also in a movie called Z for Zachariah about the apocalypse. Interesting. And so one of the other movies I found is that he's in a movie called The Contractor, which is about secret underground military bases and stuff. And it's all, all weird and screwed up. And then finally, Don't Worry, Darling. It's on HBO Max right now. And in my opinion... This is like the Stepford Wives MK Ultra. The husband goes to work and the wife's doing all kinds of crazy stuff and altered personalities. And it's just more of the MK Ultra programming. And the wife's name in the movie is Alice. Just like Resident Evil, her name is Alice. Hmm. Alice in Wonderland, MK Ultra programming. They always want to reanimate dead corpses and shove mk ultra programming down our throats so of course you know it's just all screwed up you know it's amazing but that's what i have no that was that was amazing it's it's crazy the places that you see this type of program like i know people might be listening to this going i don't know if all of this is is real i I don't know if if this is what's really happening or if this is just stretching or somebody's i'm sure uh is going to be saying this is conspiracy theory you know what I mean? But it, it mm-hmm. the more you look at it without a filter, you know, the more you just let it look at it for what it is, the more apparent some of this type of symbolism becomes. Like we were watching um, Godzilla and underground is this whole monarch project monarch that they're involved in in mm-hmm. order to get this giant butterfly. I'm like, you could have mm-hmm. named it anything. What in the world did you name it? project monarch for and i mean the storyline for the second godzilla has got so much esoteric programming in it that's just it's not even that esoteric a lot lot of it's just right out in front of you but then they're making fun of us yeah because in the godzilla versus kong they have kong in the firmament at the beginning kind of simulated reality where he's in a firm it with the Mm -hmm. dome but it looks like the sky but it's not really the sky and then they also have a hollow earth reference there's a conspiracy theory podcast they're talking about fluoride in the water controlling our minds and you know you have to wonder at some point they make things look absolutely stupid so that when you hear an episode like this you think wow they're they need a psychiatrist because they've lost their mind or they think movies are real or that's part of it mm-hmm. you know it's all just science fiction you guys are crazy even i was watching a movie called um us or they or it's a jordan peel and they're all in the car and I think the kids talking about fluoride in the water but they all also reference how there's like split dimensions where you have a twin who's living in the hollow earth and they can come to the surface and kill you and it's like their shadow self takes over the other you know this this is not this is not a joke people like they're straight up telling you what's going on right like if I was sitting in the board meeting at at Fox or at Warner Brothers or at Paramount um, Jordan comes in. Hey man, I got an idea for for a movie. And I'm like, all right, what do you got? And he pitches that film. I don't think I'm going to spend umpteen million dollars 
on that. No. You know, I'm like, what do you, why do we need to talk about that? Why, why is that in there? We can cut time out and cut the production cost down. But the mm-hmm. fact that that's included tells me that there's an agenda behind that to make sure that type of information gets, gets planted into the public conscience. Oh, well, right. And Edward Bernays, you know, the, the father of public relations and marketing and propaganda in, in a lot of ways in the West, you know, he even said that the motion picture is the best mechanism for administering propaganda mm-hmm. and works to cultivate the habits of the people that watch it. So Just any, like going back to the bread and circuses. Mm-hmm. So anyone that says that this doesn't affect me or whatever, or none of this matters, they're just not doing their research because people way smarter than us are saying that this is how you change the habits and opinions of people and, and it's in movies. Well, think of it like this. Even if someone listens to this entire episode and they're still on the fence, how many of us trash our bodies while we're sitting in front of the TV watching whatever? Like, this has been a big problem with Netflix and Amazon Prime and Hulu or all these streaming services is you work your nine to five job and you get home and you immediately want to just sit in front of the TV all night or sit in front of your laptop all night or on your phone and eating and consuming. You're just a consumer. You're consuming the programming. You're consuming the dominoes. You're destroying your temple. You're not getting out into nature. You're not contributing to society. And then you're going to sit here and tell me that what I have to offer in this presentation is just like, oh, that's just whatever. How many times this week did you watch TV or Netflix or whatever? How many times this week did you watch football or basketball or how many times this week were you just an oblivious consumer and ask yourself what is it you're consuming and why are you consuming it right because if it doesn't affect tell you me there's no no plan behind that go ahead sorry right. no i was gonna say if it's not affecting you why do you keep going back to it yeah it, it it's offering you something that's why you keep going back because mm-hmm. you put it puts you in a trance-like state Mm-hmm. And it's nice to disengage your brain in a world that's constantly flooding it and overstimulating it with all these ideas. I, I mean, I get it. It's tempting to just want to plop down in front of the TV and, and unplug. It's a Hegelian dialectical tactic. I mean, at first, society will come up with the problem, which is we overwork you, we overtax you, uh, we overstress you. And then once that happens, we know that you need a break. So we provide the break that you need which is going mm-hmm. to make you want to get back into our system. If you just work a little bit harder, you could have this ready player one. It's right there mm-hmm. at your fingertips. What did they say in that movie? If you're not selling, you're being sold. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's really what's happening. If, if you're just consuming, then you're really being consumed. Mm-hmm. Because the thing with, with films, with technology, something that I wish people understood We are relational beings and the things that we come in contact with, believe it or not, contrary to popular belief, they actually form relationships with us. We form a relationship with that thing and that thing forms a relationship with us. And And you'll defend it to the death, which is also crazy. Like that hive mind thing you were stating, it was like, don't talk about my team like that, or don't talk about my show like that. And it's like, what has this show got to do with anything in your life? That you're going to sit here and defend it like this. You know, people won't defend the Bible that hard. No, this is my show. My show provides me my out. 
And this is mm-hmm. my reality, and I love it. And you will not talk about what I love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's how people treat it. But they get offended if they listen to a podcast and I say Jesus Christ too many times. I mean, that, think about that. It's just all twisted and convoluted. And to be honest with you, I think that some of the shows and stuff on Netflix, they're just being so blatant with it nowadays. Like you get on there, it's all it's all serial killers and documentaries on serial killers and cannibalism. And it's all, um, you know, Archive 81 is is a show that I keep hammering into people. If you want to see what's really going on behind closed doors, you should watch Archive 81. They got and then they talk about how Jesus is the bad guy in that show and they're trying to open portals to let these demons come through and they're collecting people's DNA through those like ancestry DNA sites and stuff mm-hmm. and they're like testing people's DNA. Like give me a break. Do you think, you know, these Satanists are not capable of creation because they work off of inversion and they work off of like perversion convoluting people. Like if, 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 um, you know, they want to pervert every piece of God's creation, they'll take something that God created and twist it up. And then that's what they provide you. So if you watch archive 81 with that in mind, you're like, well, this can't just be something than that somebody made up one night out of their imagination. Like, where are they getting this from? You think that's crazy. You ought to check out the show. It's a series. It's called Inside Job. And it's a cartoon that literally is based on just about every conspiracy theory out there. In a cartoon oh, form. Sure. But, I mean, the, the whole show is just about overlapping conspiracy theories and that they work for the organization that's actually doing all of these things. But it's made to poke fun. Because they have like an army of cloned JFKs and stuff, right? Yeah, it's it's partially satirical, mm-hmm. but because, in my opinion, it's satirical, but at the same time, there is so much taken from it, and it's put on a platform like Netflix that I think is not accidental. The fact that, like like you've pointed out, we've talked about in other shows, the fact that the the president or the owner of Netflix, um, Jay Hastings, actually said that. We're not competing against other streaming services. It's not, we're not competing against Apple Plus. We're not competing against Amazon. We're competing against your physiology, your biology. We're competing against the Mm. fact that you're trying to sleep and we don't want you to sleep. We want you hooked to our content. This is why we create content that is binge worthy. You're like, whoa. have people done that and binged a show all night and like went through episodes one through 12 and they're all like an hour long and then you're at work the next day you're like oh my god i only slept like three hours last night i binged that new show on netflix well, and everybody Chris, like, yeah <laughs> well christopher so, shared that 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 uh when he tried to share that um that article with me that i just referenced i got upset because i was in the middle of a show like, <laughs> man show me this on the off hours man i'm trying to get to season seven you know, and then to top it off, apparently there's a a second owner to Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember his name. His name is Mark Randolph. Okay, or yeah. Mark Bernays Randolph, who's the great oh, nephew of Edward out. Bernays. Yep, the same relation that Bernays had to Sigmund Freud, Mark Randolph has to Edward Bernays. Is his great nephew, and he's the the uh, CEO or co-founding member of Netflix. So Again, you take is that this platform. A coincidence? Yeah, no, I don't think so. Not at all. No way. You you take that that 
you take that platform and you look at the content that's on that platform. And from that perspective, I don't think it's accidental. They're putting money behind it. Mm-hmm. Nobody mm-hmm. puts money behind stuff on accident. Not, not these type of figures. No. And on that point, the reason why somebody asked me if I think podcast streaming is just as bad as any of these other things, because you're like listening to something all day. And I said, no, because I'm not getting paid for this. No one is sponsoring me. I don't have someone feeding me information or paying me to put out certain messages. And what I do on my podcast is get people to think critically, which no one ever does anymore. So no, I don't think podcasting is the same as sitting in front of Netflix and watching it all night or something like that. They're pushing agendas. They're pushing propaganda. I'm getting you to think critically. That's a lost talent. And there, there is this, this concept. I don't know if you've ever heard it. Uh, well, well, first off, the TV actually changes your brainwave state, right? It does not. The, the flicker rate changes you from alpha state to beta state, which is like a meditative state. So just the technology alone is is different. So I, podcasting would not be changing your brainwave state the way that a TV is. I object. Why? why? <laughs> because I have a 55-inch flat screen in my room, <laughs> and that is not changing at all any of my brainwave states. <laughs> That's funny. Mm-hmm. Who are you again? but there is this interesting concept from a biblical perspective that the way that the enemy entices us is visually because we even have you know what are our 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 three um kryptonites or whatever we have the uh the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life so specifically Mm -hmm. the lust of the eyes but it's the the word of god right and you know faith comes from hearing. So the way typically that God communicates with people would be from an auditory standpoint and the way that Satan tries to communicate with people primarily is visually. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Did you know that your audio cortex goes deeper in in your brain than your visual one? Does it really? Yeah. There's, um, I want to get the fact right now. I haven't, I haven't gone over it. Like the trigger words, spoken word. Yeah, I want to say that it bypasses um, your prefrontal cortex and actually get into your inner brain. Mm-hmm. Whereas your visual, your visual, the optical, um, optic lobe has to decipher what's being shown. So there's other circuitry that it has to go through. Huh? If somebody was saying like, I don't know the percentage. I want to say maybe seventy five percent of your brain is allotted towards optical processing. Okay, it was something very high. As opposed to a lower number for for your uh, your auditory cortex. Interesting. Well, you think about it, you know, God said, let there be light. He spoke it. That and yep. and when I tell people about that, it's like he spoke it into existence in the words that we use every day are witchcraft given to us from the people who created the English language and it's full of, you know, word magic and they they literally try to pervert every piece of God's creation because the spoken word is so powerful. When you read the Bible to someone or read scripture to someone, it's it's got power behind it. And those the the same power that's behind that is behind some of these witchcraft spells. And you know, you can't think that, yes, there's power behind the word of God, but they're not also using that same power to corrupt us with 
even our language, like the Tower of Babel, he had to split up the languages because they were trying to build towers to heaven and stuff. It's just there is power behind the visuals. There's power behind the words, the reason they use those certain words. And it's just all screwed up, you guys. But if someone was to say to me, like, I'm stretching or I'm looking too far into it, I would just say, you know, maybe you're not ready to hear this information now. But one day you will be. And I'm never here to condemn anyone. And if you have any questions, reach out to me on Instagram because I'm happy to talk you through your truth seeking process. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Well, I mean, I've, I've been there. I, I had a friend one time that tried to tell me that there's only a handful of banks that, that run everything. And at that time, I was like, you're crazy. And he's like, and it's all based off of ancient religions, Egyptian. And I was like, that sounds stupid. Now, granted, he didn't give me much information, you know, to support that. But just a claim on its face, I was like, yeah, you're a lunatic. And here mm-hmm. I am. <laughs> and I have a podcast yeah. where I'm saying the same exact thing. <laughs> so you mean to tell me I'm on a show with a crazy man? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. And a crazy woman. Uh, I'll take it. I do have a I do have a question. And maybe you've answered it. But in a lot of my research, I had trouble coming up with like a succinct um, description. So when we say that a movie is used, you know, you've uh, your Wizard of Oz episode was fantastic. I loved it. I thought we did a good job on the film over your eyes. And I was like, Jason, uh, you got to listen to this because I liked y'all's Marvel (laughs) episode. That's how I found you was from the Dangerous World podcast. So, okay, that's cool. That's funny that we have that in common, that that's kind of the entry point for both of us. Well, yeah. And I told Ryan that I was like, you know, you're kind of like the show that I go back to to find new podcasters or new information or just see who's out there speaking the truth and then I listen I have my friend shout out Kelly Fitchizzle sent me one of your episodes um from the <laughs> and she said oh you gotta check these guys out they're saying all the stuff that you that you're talking about and then I said oh and they're Christians I'm on board let's let's get together <laughs> work on a project we're all on the same page so yeah but anyways your question yeah, so when we when we say that a movie, because you mentioned Wizard of Oz and Star Trek, Star Wars, and the Aliens movies, when we say that it's a template for satanic ritual abuse, what exactly does that mean? Because you've touched on a couple things like the phrasing, right? There's phrases that are in the movies that trigger, and there's ideas that are used to desensitize us. But but what is exactly how do they use it as a as a template to to do SRA? I think it appeals to the minds of children and it's a story that they can comprehend easily because if you look at Alice in Wonderland, The Wizard of Oz, Return to Oz, Peter Pan, Snow White, it's always a small child or like a prepubescent young lady who is going on this journey into another world and there's always like little animal friends that help them. Or they always have to either go down a rabbit hole or like with Peter Pan, he comes and he flies them away and there's fairies and Tinkerbell or Snow White. You have the seven dwarves and the little talking animals that help her on her way. And it appeals to the mind of children. They want to be in that situation with the fairy tales and like the magic, magic, another word that they get us obsessed with. And 
you you can dress them up as the characters. You can dress them as Elsa or Alice in Wonderland. Halloween is another big ritual. You put your kid in your Marvel costumes and they want to be a part of that universe that they've created for the child and for the child's mind. And they use that as like, I'm going to play. They put all the the symbology and stuff and all the triggers in, in, in the movies themselves. But it's like, I'll play Wizard of Oz for you and rape you repeatedly while it's playing. So the- I'll play... Go ahead. Sorry. So is it that the the messaging in the movie helps to guide the subconscious during the trauma? Like, I think so. Okay. As the fracturing happens and as the, the, the altars are being developed, the messaging in the movie helps craft those to, um, so that they can utilize it to, for a different aim. Right. Imagine this. They have Alice in Wonderland on. They're doing their ritual to the child. The alpha identity of the child is going down the rabbit hole. The alpha identity of the child is stepping through the looking glass or getting beamed up. The alpha identity is the one going on the adventure while the torture is happening. So they're disassociating just like the characters in the movie while they're creating that split off. While they're getting tortured, just like um, you were saying earlier, there's there's a thing that's within us that God gave us where you disassociate so you don't have to suffer through it when your your soul kind of pops out. And then that leaves an empty vessel for something else to come in. And so you have to think those are the perfect movies. You know, Dorothy gets swept up in the tornado and then all of a sudden she's in Oz or in... Return to Oz, I think she's in, she goes down like a river and then it takes her into like a portal or something. And they're always showing you how the alpha identity is the one going on these adventures or down the rabbit hole or splitting off and going into like a dissociative state where they're not in the midst of being raped over and over again or something like that. And then that's when the, the, uh, I guess you would say like the splitting off effect happens. So they're not really present in the body, but they're spiritually or mentally somewhere else, like in Alice in Wonderland or in, and even for me as a kid, I watched wizard of Oz like over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to go to Oz in the yellow brick road. And, you know, thinking of them using trigger words from the wizard of Oz makes me sick to my stomach, you know? how they could be raping a child while they're watching that movie. And then anytime they hear Ruby slippers, it's like it recalls something in their mind. So that other personality comes forward. Think about that. You guys like that's so sick and demented. Have you heard the thing about pedophiles actually wearing Ruby slippers? Oh yeah. The red shoe society. Have you heard about that? Christopher? I I haven't heard that. Tell me that's a coincidence. Like even down to the Pope. Down really? to the Pope. Yeah. Red shoes. I mean, they've got pictures at least of, of him and, and red slippers. I'm not saying everybody that throws on a pair of red sneakers or whatever. No, is, I have a pair there. of red J's I just ordered. Right. And <laughs> they they weren't the ones from Lil Nas X, were they? Oh no. Okay, uh-uh. good, good. You, you, you right, <laughs> yeah. So if if that's how it works, it's interesting because we talked about this earlier that a lot of people don't want to engage with movies in an intellectual 
way, right? It doesn't mean anything. I just want to escape because we know that society is specifically set up to traumatize us, right? We're overworked. We're saturated with all of this messaging. They're destroying the family model. The food supply is toxic. The food supply, all of it. So literally we can say that as we're going out and we're hitting that grind, it grinds us down for a reason. That it is some, it is um, in no way is it the same as being raped, like actually. Right. But there is a small amount of trauma. And if the, if this type of programming works while children are being traumatized, it has to have some effect on adults that are being traumatized at the world by the world that we live in 13 years of indoctrination and overworking us, taking away our hope, and then to come home and sit in front of the same type of programming has, Got to be, and, and a lot of people will say that it's escapism, right? You want to sit down, mm-hmm. you want to unplug. There's no way that it's not having some type of negative effect. Have you ever talked to a 90s kid about Disney princesses? They know everything about everything of any Disney princess or, or princess movie there is, and I, myself included, because. If you're traumatized as a kid, sometimes you grow up and and you have weird mental things, like even not not to the degree that we're talking about, like, let's say it was your uncle or your dad or some sick freak babysitter or something. Mm -hmm. They grow up and they like to play with Barbie dolls or they have a weird childlike tendency about them where they're nostalgic about childhood things because their adult mind never really processed right because of the trauma they endured as a child. Similar to like Michael Jackson. How nah, he was let's a- keep going because you messed me up with that whole episode. <laughs> well, I'm just Oh, saying- I was so ready to turn you off. I was so mad. I called Christopher. I, I was like, hey, I don't have an idol. Whatever I do have, she touched and I don't like it. <laughs> I'm about to listen to Thriller and Bad and I'm repeat until I get home. I know, I know, I know. But it is like the way he portrayed himself as an adult being very childlike and liking child things because he was abused as a child. So that adult part of his brain never really developed properly. He never really learned how to show love properly or conduct himself as an adult. And the same with like myself or anyone else, like I'm almost 30 years old. I still watch Disney princess movies or the lion King or you name it, Disney movies And why is it? Why are we so obsessed with those stupid cartoon movies that if we watched it for the first time today, we'd never watch again because we'd be like, this is a freaking kid show. It's stupid. Mm -hmm. But you fight somebody like, I think Mulan is the best one or I think that Belle is the best princess. And they're like, no, 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 no. Let me explain my whole theory as to why my princess is like, you got screwed in the head when you were a kid. We all did. And we're nostalgic about it. And we ha- we can't let it go. We cannot let it go. The nah, whole Little Disney Mermaid messed me magic up. thing. Yeah. It's it's all screwed up. I was telling Christopher, I was like, <laughs> I was like, you know what? I think Little Mermaid messed me up when it comes to redheads. And I was like, <laughs> I never had, I never noticed it until I went back as, a, as an adult and watched it. And I was like, yo, she came out the water and the hair and pow and the eyes mm-hmm. i was like who drew that some dude who has a fascination with redheads drew that and it, it, it can somebody stick. who knew some other information right because it can stick in your head it, it can it can um i don't know if they've done research on this to show how the imagery that disney portrays of feminine beauty affects males 
expectation of beauty. A thousand percent. Right? Like when you see, <laughs> when you see Ariel splashed up against a rock. Hmm. <laughs> sexual. I ain't never want to go on a For cruise sure. before. I don't even like the ocean. Right. But this seems. I'm going to start taking swim lessons. Interesting. It's, it's sexual. <laughs> Give me some flippers. It's sexual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, when you see like Jasmine. Shell bra. She has like a shell bra on. And she's pretty much naked from the waist up. And there's just a lot of little things that they throw in there that are like kind of sexual in, innuendos in some of those movies. And, and is, it, is a child, you know, prince and kissing and what? Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, as a child, you pick up on that. Like, I was aware what she had covering whatever was there. I didn't know how all the mechanisms worked, but it was interesting that they were shells. Oh, both of y'all messed up. Because I didn't think they were shells. What did you think they were? They are starfish that I am jealous of. (laughs) That's right. You ain't think so? That's how they stayed on there. Bad Boys was on there for my suction. There's also that song in the movie that's like... um, uh, We'll never look at Little Mermaid the same. Yeah, well, she wants to be part of our world. And she... uh, like that kiss the girl song and you I loved that song you know I was like ah da 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 ain't that bad you know it's like you grow up and you have some nostalgic about these characters in the movies themselves and thinking of um being a 30 year old and still if somebody has Mulan on I know every word to every song yeah it's weird it's just weird yeah I just got caught today actually singing Walking around, you don't get too far. Legs are required for running, dancing. They're like, what are you singing? (laughs) I was like, I don't know. Why? They were like, stop it. I'm like, but it's it's in my head. Like, I was growing up. My sister loved Little Mermaid. So every day Mm -hmm. after school, and she's older than me, but when she was babysitting me every day after school, we'd sit and watch Little Mermaid. And so that would be kind of like what we would what we would bond over. And so yeah. that entire movie, I almost know by heart. And it's funny when different parts of it come up, I'm like, oh, I still remember that. Like, I can never hear Le Boisseau, Le Boisseau. <laughs> mm-hmm. Immediately. If anybody says we're having crab tonight, I start singing. That's funny. Look, I think I've been programmed. Yeah. Programmed. Yeah. And, For and sure. Side tangent. I know we're getting to the end, but we were talking about how that imagery affects the, the mind of of young men, right? And mm-hmm. kind of cultivates expectations for women's beauty. It's a really interesting thought exercise to look at what you find attractive, whatever it is, and see where that comes up. Like, where do we even get our idea of what sexy is or what attractive, you know, what we find attractive in the opposite sex or same sex or whatever? Because what it, it's interesting to wonder what we would think if we didn't have that programming. Yeah, like when Jasmine well, we is sitting there talking. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, when Jasmine was talking to Javar, when mm-hmm. she needed to distract him in the first Aladdin, uh-huh. and she was like, Javar, come here. Mm-hmm. I'm like, if I could just find somebody with that little finger to just beckon me. <laughs> oh, that's the whole reason I have a beard. <laughs> yeah, she had a bra on, too. And she yeah. had, like, a little belly dancer outfit on. She which did, is and fine, her shoulder but... dropped. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. She, uh, she was one of my favorites up until... Princess and the Frog came out and then Tiana was my favorite because the soundtrack to that movie was just out of this world. And me and my husband were talking about it. And I said, do you think that it's odd? It 
took them so long to make like a black princess or like do you think that it's weird that they were all kind of like anglo looking caucasian females and or or similar to that you know and he said for sure i think that that played a big part in it and you know however you slice it i think that they choose certain looks for a reason Mm -hmm. and it's just even in when they finally decided to make princess and the frog there's a shadow man who does hoodoo voodoo and black magic and she's the one that gets turned into a toad and she's the one that he's got friends on the other side and there's bloodletting. She's pricking the finger and getting the blood and you got to charge up these entities that go and come on, you guys like, that's just so ridiculous for a kid's movie. Oh, it was so blatantly in your face, the level Mm -hmm. of Satanism that that went into, especially going down to, uh, what was it? Louisiana or the Bayou area. Mm -hmm. Yep. New Orleans. Yeah. And the fact that they chose that, the fact that they chose the hoodoo voodoo, their songs, the fact that there were spirits constantly going after the people, the fact that there mm-hmm. was a, a witch doctor who made a deal. Like, it's it's blatant. I was more upset that out of all the Disney princesses, that's the one you picked to have overt occultism. Well, that's what I was getting at is like, why didn't you put that in any other movie? You decided to wait until it was Tiana. Mm-hmm. To include all that symbolism in. I mean, I don't know if you could have had a um, a black princess in Little Mermaid because that's too much water. You couldn't have had in Frozen because that's way too cold. <laughs> so, Belle couldn't have ever been. Beauty She'd Beauty never Beauty venture off into the woods. Right. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm starting to think that maybe it was by default that it had to be there. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, you know what? I don't think a black woman's going to grow be with- senses. So they'd never find themselves in these precarious situations. No, a black woman's not going to be with seven seven dwarfs. <laughs> that's not happening. They have like, a great point there. It was like the first train. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> wow. <laughs> never going to look at Snow White the same <laughs> at all. Never. Oh, that's funny. That's hilarious. Is that, is that about it, though? No, that was great. I, I think so. Um, Julia, for, for our listeners, tell people uh, where they can they can reach you and tell them about your, your, your show. Thank you. Yeah, so I have the Cosmic Peach podcast. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. And I do have a YouTube channel. You can find it just by searching Cosmic Peach podcast. And um, my Instagram Again, cosmic.peach.podcast. But I try to put more of the gentler episodes on YouTube so they won't take my channel off. And some more of like the hard-hitting content is going to be on Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio. And um, I think that if you want just a different perspective on things that are going on in reality, you can definitely check my show out. But if you're looking for like Christ consciousness or star seeds or aliens or anything like that, my show's not the show for you. <laughs> so just keep that in mind before you come on over to check it out. Now, if you guys, you guys have got to go check out her show. If you're looking for something that, that will actually hit hard, like she said, this is a great place. And Julia, the, one of the things I appreciate the most about your show is that you're a female. Thank you. Because you would, in yes. this space, for whatever reason, I don't know why, it's a 
male dominated, predominantly male uh, dominated space. And I and, knew that they were going to come for me. So I, I want to be a, a, above reproach with all of my episodes and content. Oh, no, it's fantastic. I mean, so many times. Like the ones, I think that if there's listeners out there that are curious where to start, some of my favorites were the Laurel, Laurel Canyon, Canyon ones. Those Thank were you. excellent. <laughs> Wizard of Oz blew my mind, made me think that I have no business having a podcast because it's not that good. <laughs> and then your your most recent ones, the four parts uh, on the Nephilim, the, your insights and the way that you brought up information, I just thought was uh incredibly clever i enjoyed every single one of thank those. you yeah i still need I to listen you. to those. i highly appreciate that i was gonna tell our listeners if you like music don't listen to the michael jackson episode <laughs> just tell you right now it's gonna mess up everything you ain't gonna be able to spin your way out of it you ain't gonna be able to moonwalk your way back i haven't looked at mike the same yet i was like mike i don't even know which version of you i'm talking to i was like little baby mike are you in there don't touch the him third- third person to tell me that and i was like i'm sorry but i i owe it to the truth to cover it <laughs> i'm right. sorry oh i clicked on it i was like i'm gonna regret this i already know <laughs> i know but i've got about but, an hour and i need to listen to something and you started talking and i was like oh, baby mike i know i feel like I, I needed a napkin afterwards i was like oh <laughs> Okay, and I look. still love Michael Jackson, so it's like I always say about like separating the art from the artist. But it's hard know, to do. Um, I know that people are very sentimental about Michael, so I try to be as factual as possible and not put my own emotions into it, or else I would have just said I don't care what he did because I just love Michael. But it it has to be talked about, and I know we had kind of discussed before we started recording that we might do a swap cast kind of thing and i'll share this episode on my end as well so the listeners can go and check out your great work so if you don't mind uh one of you can tell the listeners where they might find operation red pill uh you can find us at orppodcast.com we have a website uh we're on spotify uh apple podcast all the normal places uh orp podcast Patreon, ORP Podcast, Instagram, ORP Podcast. Uh, tried to make it simple and mm-hmm. uniform across yeah. all the platforms. So, And I definitely recommend everyone go and check out your great work over there, too, because I have a lot of guests on and do solo episodes um, some of the time, like with my series. But you guys really have a lot of solo episodes where you're just going back and forth and kind of discussing topics amongst yourselves, which I like, too, because sometimes you get a guest on and you're like, mm, I don't really necessarily agree with everything that they said, but I'll, you know, I'll put it out there and just see. But when you have consistency, that's important, too. And I like that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Christopher makes me do this whole thing. <laughs> I make you do no. it all. This is why I have to wear these because I'm really blinking for help. And nobody <laughs> oh, comes wow. and rescues me. That's messed so. up. <laughs> wear a yellow shirt next time if you need help. Right, right. Well, I don't want nobody to, to mistake the yellow shirt programming. So, oh, oh, snap. He's got the yellow on. You know what that means? That's canary bird programming. I didn't even know they was programming the Negroes with the canary birds. Somebody oh, go man. get him Sylvester. <laughs> Hell, oh, Julie, it's been great. <laughs> I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Yeah, thank you so much. And tell your husband he made a great choice on the name of the podcast. 
I will do that. Awesome. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Sorry, we're almost at the end. But the the new intro that you have that says trigger warning or whatever, is that your husband? That is my husband. Okay, yes. I wonder. I was like, kind of sounds like a badass. I bet that's her husband. Yes. <laughs> did you tell yeah. him that whole exchange between us? I did. I was like, <laughs> I played this snippet for him and he was busting up laughing. And he was like, do they know about me? And I was like, not yet, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, you should have heard us going back and forth. He was like, dude, dude, you won't believe this. I went and looked. I was like, no. I was like, that's epic. Yep. Yeah. Classic. Yeah, I, I, got a, I got it in the net from, from Christopher after that. Well, <laughs> he is uh, not as much of a conspiracy theorist as I am, but he definitely supports me as much as he can without and, you know, sometimes you need those people in your life that kind of ground you and bring you back to reality. And mm-hmm. so I'll do my research or I'll do my episodes and I have my podcast, but then I go back to my husband and he's like, we're not talking about lizard people tonight. Okay. You know, I need a break from that. I need to like, no, step we got to talk you. about it. They're on TV right now. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> that sounds like my right, life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it, it, it's it's good mm-hmm. to have somebody in your life like that. Well, you have to, but yeah. it, it's also good to be able to have someone that you can share that with. Because having to keep yeah. all of this yeah. information inside, especially with the continued revelation, the more Jesus that unveils and shows, it's mm-hmm. difficult to just keep that quiet. And it's so beneficial. Like, my head would explode if I didn't have somebody like Christopher to actually sit and talk to. And we talk, talk about stuff. in a corner, literally, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we talk about like, stuff. Ooh. Right, because we talk about stuff like at length that we can't really talk about with other people. They just don't have the the capacity or the stomach for it. And we're sitting there going, so let's switch gears. You know, we've already (laughs) talked about lizard people. Maybe now let's talk about the genetic modification in our foods and what that's doing to to maybe stop us from being able to be saved. What do you think, Christopher? And we're off to the races. And it's Mm -hmm. so fun Mm -hmm. to actually have someone... uh, to have those type of discussions with, which is why I appreciate this community. People like you, people yeah. like Ryan, people like Matt, people like ghosts. It's, it's cool to see people who are pushing back against the standard narrative and mm-hmm. are unwilling to, to cower behind the force of society that says, sit down, be quiet and don't disrupt what we got going on here. So yeah, I, they don't want you to stand in your own power. No, not at all. So I salute you and, and everyone else. And like I said, really appreciate you taking some time out today to, to talk with us. Thank you. We got to do another show. Yes, absolutely. Just tell me the topic and then we'll get to going. All okay. right. Sounds cool. good. Take care. <laughs>